Well, before we open up the Word of God together today, let's go ahead and bow once more as we um, come to the Lord who, as we've just sung, is our rock and our redeemer, uh, the one who brings us together today. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that your word affects change, even in the hardest of hearts. Uh, And Lord, I pray as we open up your word today, as those that are believers in your son, Jesus Christ, who have gained a righteousness that we could not in any way fabricate or had any desire uh, to actually uh, attain, uh, short of your spirit working in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we can read your word in our language, that we have such an excess of access through the internet to study, to hear the word of God. And Lord, I pray that this would not just be one more thing that's added to a a whole list of things, uh, but this would stand alone as what you have for uh, this uh, local church family today uh, as we consider uh, the importance of uh, voting biblical values uh, in a day and age where the Bible uh, is uh, ignored. The Bible is seen as something that is a fable. Uh, that is a an old story that is no longer applicable. Uh, and Lord, we know that is not the truth. That is man uh, suppressing your truth in unrighteousness. And Lord, uh, we are bearers of that truth. And Lord, give us the strength and the wherewithal to be that light and salt and that we would reflect your son, Jesus Christ, to this morally corrupt, dead world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, last Sunday we began a three-part uh, series entitled Thinking Biblically About the Election. Uh, and this is the first time I've ever uh, stepped uh, into pr- these proverbial waters as we consider uh, an upcoming election. But as I listen to the news, as I read headlines, as I see what's happening in our country, I think that as one who is a, uh, a shepherd, one who is a communicator of God's truth, I have a responsibility to show you what the Word of God has to say, uh, to remind you of things that maybe you already know, uh, so that all of the uh, deprogramming or reprogramming, however you want to look at it, as you step out of this place and face the world in which we live, uh, we can have uh, some of those truths that will uh, we can cling to, things that we can remember, things that we are able to uh, use to fight the good fight to finish well. Uh, And with that said, uh, today we're going to be taking a look, uh, as I told you last time, there's a few more things I want to do in relation to setting the stage. Uh, We've already taken a look at the fact that we are the only light and the only salt, as we reminded ourselves of Matthew chapter 5, and as we took a look at the fact that uh, we are in a season uh, and that our God does not change in those seasons. He is consistent He is uh, the one true God who never changes. Uh, And today, uh, as we uh, start out our time, uh, the first thing I want to speak to today is the fact that our God is sovereign over all. Uh, We sang to that uh, this morning as we uh, lifted our voices. Uh, And as we take a look at the world in which we live, as we uh, see that we are on the the verge of uh, a political uh, election coming up on November the 3rd, where you're going to have an opportunity uh, to choose to vote. We can look at the worldscape and, and, and even our, our nation as a whole and see that emotions are running high. Uh, it does not take long 
As a matter of fact, I even had someone share with me this past week that in relation to speaking anything political in their office, uh, that they don't even go there. Uh, because it, it will immediately turn sour and will find, you know, an argument in the making. Uh, and this, uh, the thing is, is uh, there's a good reason for this, because there is a lot at stake uh, in this election, uh, because our nation is on the cusp of decisions that will affect every person. Each one of you that are seated here today, each one that is in this country, and honestly, we can say that it, it will affect everyone in the world. Because of the, the, the blessings and the grace and uh, God's uh, mercy that's shown upon our country as a whole. And the thing is, is we need some comfort in this time. We need comfort that comes from heavenly wisdom. So let me remind you, uh, as we went through the book of James, what James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure. That's something you can't say about the wisdom of man. Matter of fact, man's wisdom is corrupt because he always operates out of a sinful inclination, a sinful nature, and therefore will not be that which is pure. But when we seek wisdom from above as to what to do and how to live and, and what choices to make, guess what? It's first of all pure because our God is pure. It is then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, guess what? We have the opportunity to make peace. Not necessarily in relation to where people stand politically, but the fact is the thing that makes the, um, that is the most important in all of life is what people believe about Jesus Christ. Everything else does not matter. Now that doesn't mean that we just throw everything else out. You know, as the proverbial thing, throw out the, the baby with the bathwater. Uh, we don't do that. But we first and foremost see that people need Jesus Christ. Because once they have Jesus Christ, once they have their, their minds, you know, uh, changed and transformed by the gospel message, uh, as they have taken on a righteousness that is not their own, as they begin to see things through God's lens, it will make them better people. Uh, and we are better for it uh, because God has come in and changed our lives. He's turned our lives inside out. But as we wait, we must never forget the fact that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me say that again. You must not forget that no matter what happens in our country, no matter what happens in the world, that does not change the eternal truth that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. That is something you can hold on to, that you can believe each and every day, no matter what happens. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. We need something to focus on that's not negative. We need something to focus on that brings our minds back to what is the truth. That's absolute that cannot change. That the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over not just certain countries, not just certain people. He rules over all. There is nothing outside his purview. Listen to uh, what Daniel uh, praises um, after God reveals to him Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2. 
He says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. See, one of the things that you need to understand is that God is in control. He is sovereign over all. He is the one who removes kings and sets up kings. So he is the one who removes presidents and sets up presidents. He is the one who removes senators and congressmen and sets up senators and congressmen. Whatever aspect of life you want to take a look at, the seasons change, the time changes, but God does not. And one of the things that we need to remember, that just as he gave Daniel wisdom and understanding to understand something that only God understood and to give it to his servant is something that we can hold on to as well. As a matter of fact, the scriptures in um, Psalm 22, verses 27 and 28, say that there is a time yet future. It says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. That's what you need to remember. That's what you need to remember as you sit in your office and you hear people spewing all kinds of hate and things that do not honor God to remember who is in charge. It is God himself. And and remember that all of the ends of the earth, not just some pockets, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Because as we know, the scripture tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. And it's at that point that people who have denied who God is will have their eyes open fully. And there will be no turning back. There will be no excuse given that will appease the God whose wrath is upon them because of their sin. See, we need to remember how great God is. Because the world is saying God does not exist. The world is saying, well, you know what? God is just not there. You know, why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much pain in the world? It's almost as if God does not love the world or does not care. How can you quote John 3.16 to me because it makes no sense? Well, see, that's sinful man speaking. And looking through a sinful lens, he does not see spiritual things. And the thing is, all the things that people blame on God, they should remember as they read the word of God, if they could understand, is the fact that that is the result of man's sin. And its result is a world that is at turmoil, that is at odds with itself, that does not care to speak the truth, but instead will fill people's ears with lies and tell them what they want to hear. Listen to what it says in Psalm 33, 8 through 12. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. 
No one can claim that other than God. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Did you hear that? The counsels of the nations to nothing. So no matter what the subject matter may be, all the nations of the world, all of their wisdom, God brings to nothing because his wisdom is pure, peaceful, gentle, open to reason, all those things that we read. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So yes, we may be 2,000 years into the future, but guess what? God's plan has not changed. He has not changed. His counsel stands forever. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Do not forget who God is. You know, as I was looking at some social media this past uh, week, something scrolled across as I was looking. And one of the things that was mentioned there is that you you notice as you look at, at David, before he was King David, didn't speak about how big Goliath was or how big a, uh, uh, an obstacle he was. What did he speak to? He spoke to how powerful his God is. The same God that we serve today. So remember how great God is and do not let the turmoil of our country, turmoil in the world to shadow God in any way. Do not limit God in that way. Because I believe that for such a time as this, just like Queen Esther realized from her cousin Mordecai that she would not keep silent and stand by as her people perished, I feel the same way as I look at our nation today. And I'm not speaking in relation to who is going to be the next president of the United States. What I'm speaking to is the fact that we have an opportunity to be those who are bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we have the very character, the very truth of who God is to reflect to a fallen world. That we have the ability, because of God's power in us, to impact the culture, to change the culture, for them to see morality from God's perspective. And the thing is, I believe we are living in a day and age where evil does not even hide anymore. And that's a sad place to be. But as we take a look at the Word of God, as we look at the Old Testament, even as we look at the New Testament, we know that evil doesn't hide. It may be in the darkness, it may be in the shadows, because that's where it feels the most comfortable. But there are times when it rears its ugly head, and we look through history, and if we read our history, we can see that that is the case, and it happens. You know, our founders established and proclaimed to be one nation under God. I believe that as they were forming these, uh, this uh, great nation, as a nation under God, they understood what it says in Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But I believe that, that many people in our country think that sin is not a reproach to any people. Because they don't see them, their actions, they don't see their choices as sin anymore. Because they don't see God as God. 
And some of that is honestly to blame on the church because the church has failed to have a large view of God, to see him as he is, to live as if the God who created all, the one who spoke and things came into existence, lived inside each one of us through the Holy Spirit. You know, John Adams said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern or to the government of any other. They were still sinful men, but yet what they put out and what they put into uh, written form was something that truly we can stand back and say that God has truly blessed our nation. Because for, you know, throughout its history, there have been highlights where our country has honored God and put him first. But I think we are on the cusp where, like I said, we're living in a day and age where evil does not even hide. Matter of fact, it's celebrated. And everything that is true and honest and holy and right is seen as evil. We've turned everything backwards, inside out. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 19, but the verse that uh, is the verse in this context is verse 27 that I want you to focus on because this is the call because we are in such a time as this where it says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. Do not withhold good. It says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of the sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. See, we have good to impart to the world and particularly to the people of this great country, the United States of America. You have the opportunity by voting to protect or to help protect the nation from great harm. To speak the truth, to live the truth, to vote the truth. To be, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So ask yourself the question this morning, are you shining as a light in the world? Are you shining as a light in the United States of America? When you get up each morning, do you give glory to God? Do you live uh, that walk, that relationship, that abiding in in the presence of other people? Yes, knowing full well that you will probably be persecuted for it, that people will say that you are crazy, that you are foolish. But just because they say it does not make it true. And if we believe what we believe in relation to God, then we have nothing to be afraid of. Matter of fact, we realize that God can even change them. So 
we have an opportunity before us, something that I think we should seize, something that we should grab hold of. But know this, God's will is always accomplished. Nothing, and I repeat, nothing will interfere with his providential plans for his church and even this country, whatever they may be. But we have the opportunity to be a part of those plans in a very real way. As we take time to pray to God, as we take time to make his word part of who we are each and every day. That when we get up, uh, that we realize the, 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 the monumental truth in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, where it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we need to understand that ungodly leaders will equal an ungodly nation. Whereas godly leaders will indicate or equal a godly nation. Proverbs 28.12 says, When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Why do people hide themselves when evil arise? When the wicked say that this is good when we know that it is evil. See, it says, when the righteous triumph, there is great glory. And why is there great glory? Is that because of what we've done? No, there's great glory because we are being obedient to the God who saved us through his son, Jesus Christ. And showing that we have something that the world needs desperately, that they try and fill with all of their sinful acts, their sinful decisions, and things that pertain to this life. And I believe right now it is time for us to take a stand for righteousness. And no longer allow the the culture to dictate to the church how it should be. So how should we approach this? And this is kind of where the the rubber meets the road. I've, I've given you a lot to think about. I've set the stage. I've set the table. The feast is before you. You have everything that you could possibly need. And the question is, now what? Do we just look at the food? Do we take and we start eating it? And realizing the benefits from eating it. Gary DeMar said, a vote is not a valentine. You aren't confessing your love for the candidate. It's a chess move for the world you want to live in. And I think there is a sense in which as we look at it through even a a biblical lens. You know, we've spoken to this before. You know, the, the world thinks that there's a utopia here on earth. We know that's not the case. But we do know, without a shadow of a doubt, that when God is involved in anything, when the righteous triumph, there's great glory. So first, you need to remember there are no perfect candidates. You can't look at the field and say, well, there's just nobody good to vote for. That's just an excuse. That's a reason to not let your light shine. Because how is your light shining by saying there's nobody to vote for? Choose leaders who suppress evil. That you, whether they're believers or not, actually utilize a moral or a biblical moral stance. When they look at the world in which they live, they can see something that's evil and say, that's evil. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 13. Um, no, verse, uh, chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. It says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. 
Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Who's God's servant for your good? Rulers. Because remember, God is the one who removes kings and sets up kings. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. See, God is sovereign over all. That means he can even use unregenerate man to accomplish his purposes, to be those who, as a servant of God, in other words, doing God's bidding, is an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. See, God has established government for a reason. It is there for our protection. And if you do good, then guess what? You need not fear. But if you do bad, then guess what? You should fear. But the problem is, is that we have people that believe that evil is good and good is evil. And so how do you, you know, balance all that out? Well, again, you choose leaders who suppress evil. We do have to look also at their character. Do they consistently tell the truth? Which may seem as though that may be an oxymoron for a politician. But there are Christian politicians that do speak the truth. There are non-Christian politicians that speak the truth. What you need to do is you need to make sure that whatever you're listening to, whatever your source is an accurate source. To make sure that what is being said about a particular candidate is actually the truth. Because remember, it's all about getting into office. It's all about power. And people will speak lies and give misinformation in order to accomplish the goal of being the one voted in. So as you look at their character, do they consistently tell the truth? And if we're really honest, we lie. We may not have blatant lies out there that we're, we're saying are big and, and that people can say, wow. You know, we, we, we label them in Christian circles as little white lies, which that's probably not even politically correct anymore. So I, I'm not sure I should say they're, they're little lies. We need to look at the track record. You know, what, what have they been consistently doing as they've served in offices? Uh, who do they surround themselves with? Because you remember, you know, good company as opposed to bad company and what it does and what it accomplishes. First Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And finally, what are the policies of the candidate? Do they actually forthright put those policies out there so that there's no guessing or no uh, question as to what they are? Or as they speak what they say their policies are, and you find that as you go back in the history record, they, they thought or said or are on record for saying something completely different. Again, you need to take a look at this and see. So, Remember, there's no perfect candidates. Look at their character. Look at their track record and know what their policies are. And the thing that I have is a caveat at this point is, is it's not all or none. Remember, you are choosing leaders who suppress evil. 
Now, there may come a time where you've got two people that are running that look almost identical. And at that point, you pray and you ask God to give you the wisdom to vote. Just like you're going to do in this election coming up. But it's not an all or nothing. Well, that person's just not a good person. Okay, well, the thing is, you have to remember that you are not voting in the next pastor of the United States of America. You're voting in someone that you are trusting based off of what they believe, what they consistently do, who they surround themselves with, and, and leaving the rest of it with God and saying, God, you're, you're ultimately the one that's going to put them in office anyway because you have a plan that I don't understand. You have a plan that maybe because of the way in which uh, our country sees good and says it's evil or sees evil and says it's good, that you're ready to, to uh, you know, pronounce judgment on our country and give us the, le- the leader that we deserve. So all that to say is your mind is just swimming in all of this. As you're, you're questioning maybe what you've thought up until this point, I want to give you six things. And don't, don't start to sweat. We're not going to do all six things today. I, we're going to do number one today. But I've got five more to share with you next week. Six things that you can take a look at, that you can look and say, this is a biblical value. And you take that biblical value and you look at each candidate, no matter what the office, whether it's at the highest office at president or down to the, the you know uh, another office in some other area, even in local government. What you need to do is you need to use the word of God because as we've said, the word of God is applicable. Not to just the things that we choose, it is applicable to everything. God wanted us to know that he is the one who puts people in and takes people out. That he is the God who is sovereign over all. And for a believer, that is the most comforting fact in in, in all the world. Because that means that God answers to no one. So as we close our time out this morning, we're only going to take a look at the first, which has three words to it. So don't, don't get too excited that it's going to be another 20 minutes. It won't. First, honesty, integrity, and morality. First, you need to remember that God is the God of truth. That no matter how man may lie and twist the truth, that does not change who God is. There is a, such a thing as absolute truth because there is a God who is eternal, a God to whom everyone must give an account. And therefore, his truth is the truth. Just as Jesus said, we quote this verse much, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' words in John 14, 6. Second, as we take a look at, uh, well, that, that's the overarching thing, is remember that God is truth, uh, and in, in him is no lies at all, which brings us to the whole thing of honesty. God does not lie. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said it, and will he not do it? Well, based off of the rest of the scripture, I know without a shadow of doubt, he will do it. If God says it, he's going to do it. There's no changing that. Culture does not change God. Time does not change God. He is eternal. Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Yes, he will. So will he raise up leaders? Yes. Will he take down leaders? Yes. 
Can he use us as those who are uh, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as a light in this world, in particular the United States of America? Absolutely. Believe it. But also believe that Satan is a liar. John eight forty four, You are of your father the devil. Speaking of the Pharisees, he says, And you, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what characterized us before Christ. We were liars too. And all we cared about was what we wanted. There was no truth in us because the God of truth was not in us. But when the God of truth comes in, he changes a life. He turns it inside out. Because deceit and lies have no place in the presence of God. Psalm 101.7, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. So with that as a, a, a foundation of what honesty looks like and what lies look like, look at, your, look at the candidates that you have. What characterizes them as men and women? Do they tell the, the audience what they want to hear? Or do they tell them the truth? Do they say one thing in one setting and something else in another setting? So honesty. Second is integrity. James 5.12. We studied this a while back. But above all, my brothers, do not swear by either by heaven or earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. We live in a day and age where integrity practically does not exist. People do not keep their word because they lie. And the thing is, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be those who are yes is yes and our no is no. So should we expect anything less out of those we vote into office? This is, again, why we should do our homework and make sure what we're hearing about a candidate is actually true. Because, honestly, when you turn on the news, you can get two conflicting uh, reports. And guess what? Both can't be true. Integrity. Let your word be your bond. And lastly, morality. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So as you look at the candidates that you have to vote for, what do they say in relation to what the Bible calls good and what the Bible calls evil? Because if the candidate says, Oh, no, that's not evil and, and gives a reason why, when the God who is true, who is truth, who is eternal, who is the beginning and the end, says, no, that is evil, who are we supposed to believe? Well, guess what? If you have any doubt in your mind, I'm going to believe God first and foremost. Because he made me. Because through his son, Jesus Christ, he saved me. And so, therefore, I have the opportunity to be that light in the world 
to say no. And one of the issues we'll take a look at next week is the sanctity of life. You cannot say that taking the life of a child is not murder. It is the taking of a life. But no, it's it's good because it gives woman a choice. And what they've done is they've given a red herring as an argument to guise what is called evil in the Bible to be something good in the, in the eyes of man. So as you take a look, and I realize that this is a lot to take in, but know the word of God. Know what the word of God says. Know what it says in relation to honesty, integrity, and morality. And as you take a look at those candidates, use the filter of Scripture to look at them. And remember, as I said already, there are no perfect candidates. Chances are, in, in the public circle, I can pretty much guarantee that the majority of politicians and people you vote in the office are unbelievers, which is a sad reality which makes it so you should be praying for those that are believers that you know, even some of which that come to our church, to, to pray for them because they are in a just awful situation because what is evil is called good and what is good is called evil. And how do you balance that out with what the Bible says? Well, the Bible is the authority. It is the living, active word of God. And it speaks to even what we are facing today. So as you look at this, make sure that you come with that eye that we talked about earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, that you do have a responsibility to discern and to judge. Do not let people tell you otherwise. Because again, that's one of those things where they use that to their own benefit. And it's amazing how often scripture is quoted for the benefit of those who have no respect for it. So as you... Process all of this. You have an opportunity to be light in darkness. You have an opportunity to be a part of God's plan in a real way as you vote biblical values. Know that. And don't, you know, decide in your mind that I just can't figure this out and I therefore I should not vote. You have a responsibility as one who is a bearer of the light to pick those leaders who suppress evil, because remember what it says, they are there for your good. They are a God's servant, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So we have a responsibility, we have a right, we have a privilege to vote in this country, to have a say in who governs us. Keeping in mind the fact that we know God's sovereign over it all, but that does not excuse us from being the light in darkness. So may these words encourage you today. May you not see this as an overwhelming thing that you cannot speak to. You can, because you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Father, we thank you for these truths today. We thank you for the reminder that you are sovereign over all. That just as you have uh, shown that your, your providence works through uh, the, the actions of, of man, that we can see that even in the example of Esther and Mordecai, uh, that for such a time as this, she was raised up to make sure that she would not keep silent and that she wouldn't see her people perish, that we can see that even in our own country today, that we would seize the opportunity 
to do what we've been given uh, the ability to do in this country, and that's to, to vote and actually have it mean something. That we would vote th- those who reflect biblical values, uh, you know, the most, realizing that we're not going to find a perfect candidate, just like we're not going to find a perfect Christian. Uh, the fact is, is that we are still, uh, uh, again, by your grace and your mercy, uh, being sanctified each and every day. And so give us the ability to, to weed through all the lies, all the, the misdirection, all of the things that do not honor you. And may we look with a clear heart and mind that is focused upon you and look through that lens in the world in which we live and, and make the choice accordingly. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder of who you are. May that guide us through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.